a very pleasant, peaceful feeling. You relax deeper and deeper, each downward count of my voice, ten. Relaxing deeper, nine, letting the body gently begin to sink deeper, eight. Eight point three. Yes, it's like a, a push-button radio, you see. 24 hours a day. Whether you like it or not, Oh, we're limited to a 500-mile radius now, but we're working to extend that limit. Well, it's a little after 6.30 p.m., or right on the nose, depending on what your clock says. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer here in the Flavor Flav seat. Yeah, well, we got the news, of course, that this heat wave that just broke is uh, pretty much the second worst in American history. Uh, only the Dust Bowl years, uh, from what I read. Yeah, the first half of this year, it's been announced as the warmest on record. Yeah. Uh, you'd think this would be a major uh, political campaign issue, but uh, no, Romney and Obama are engaged in uh, debates about tax rates and whatnot. Well, and Fox News, for their part as well, how can there be global warming when uh, the hurricane season is actually fairly mild? Well, it's also fairly early. Yeah, yeah. They've as far as the hurricane season goes, so... Let's uh, wait and see on that, but uh, it's really remarkable how somebody could deny this. It's it's not just a trend. It's not just a, an impression. There is serious scientific fact. It's called the ice caps are melting. Yeah, well, and, and they documented earlier this year, some scientists, that all the glaciers in the world are receding, except for a few uh, in the upper Himalayas. So it's uh, definitely melting. It's been toasty, and I'm sure uh, fellow uh, residents of Washtenaw County are relieved and glad to uh, have their power back on and also to have uh, weather that's uh, fit to sleep in. And, of course, Romney was uh, caught on video last week uh, driving a swift boat around up in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. uh, he was roundly criticized by uh, Republican pundits for... Uh, Getting off message about the uh, the Democratic Party being the party of elites, and uh, oh yes, Mitt Romney, he's no elite. <laughs> well, he's uh, yeah, he's he's got more and more problems as uh, he, you know he continues to go back to this theme of uh, his solution to the economy is uh, to cut taxes for rich people. And, of course, he's one of them. And it's interesting. I, I think I failed to bring this in, but there's a very interesting column in today's New York Times by Paul Krugman about Mitt Romney and his uh, Swiss bank account and Cayman Island investments. Sure. And his lack of, uh, well, just frankly, he hasn't been candid about how he's made his money over the last several years. And he uh, noted, comparing uh, Mitt Romney to his father, George who, of course, was the governor of Michigan for a while, he, he released 12 years of tax rates uh, when he ran for president. And, it, of course, it demonstrated that he earned most of his money uh, running American Motors uh, 
back in the 60s. George Romney there. George yeah. Romney, not to be confused with uh, Dim Mitley. And, of course, we had more evidence this past week uh, with this uh, banking scandal going on in uh, Britain regarding LIBOR. Uh, who knew anything about LIBOR just a couple of years ago? Uh, but it played a huge factor in the uh, liquidity crisis of 2008. Mm -hmm. And what's strange thus far about this scandal is it seems that Barclays Bank was uh, manipulating the rates downward, which, of course, if you're a saver, uh, you don't like that. Uh, that's why interest rates are almost too low, and uh, that's why the Federal Reserve is effectively... Uh, out of ammunition in terms of dealing with the economy. As for the continuing debate in Washington about what to do about these uh, paltry job numbers that came out over the week, at least it was positive. Uh, I think it was about 80,000. But Mitt Romney, uh, for his part, is uh, back to the old playbook. And it's strange, you know, the New York Times in their editorial, I think on Saturday's paper, noted that Romney has centered on what he calls Mr. Obama's failed economic record. This from a man who says the stimulus was a failure, the rescue of the auto industry a mistake, and whose prescription for stabilizing the housing market is to let it crash, whose plan for health care is... What kind of a plan is that? <laughs> yeah. I thought it already did. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> his, his plan is to repeal the health care reform law, and who cl clings to discredited policies like more tax cuts for the rich and less regulation for the banks. Mr. Romney's proposals would take the nation back to the conditions that inflated the bubble and led to the bust. And it would be nice if Mitt Romney would actually look at facts. Um, earlier this year, the Wall Street Journal, a publication that I assume he reads from time to time, um, notes that the corporate tax rate is the lowest in 40 years. Taxes have been cut. Geez, you can't go uh, much lower. Can't go much lower. Uh, the Progressive magazine in uh, the March uh, 2012 edition has this uh, interesting factoid in its no-comment section. The Dirty 30, according to the U.S. Public Interest Research Group, 30 U.S. corporations have spent more money on lobbying Congress than they have in paying taxes. 29 of the firms actually collected tax rebates. And those are all big-name firms. There's, these are not fly-by-night businesses. They're major corporations. So this, of course, is the, the fundamental problem, the structural problem that the American economy has that there's no substantive discussion about. Instead, we get into these tug-of-wars over silly stuff like the deficit and whose tax plan is better than the other. Obama, of course, came out with his uh, uh, his old plan, basically, the, you know, the, the people under 250,000. Once the Bush tax cuts to finally end, after all, we've been living under the Bush tax cuts for the first four years of the Obama administration. Yep. So it's a little unclear what the Republicans are complaining about. Um, of course, uh, the actual number on the jobs, um, what was 80,000? Uh, they noted that uh, 
In the past uh, 28 months now, there have been 4.4 million jobs created in the private sector. Uh, the graphs all show where the jobs are being cut. It's in government, state and local government mainly. Uh, the cutting is occurring, so I'm, uh, I'm completely mystified by uh, Dim Mitley's economic message. It's just out of touch with reality. And, of course, I don't think he's commented at all about the LIBOR situation. Um, LIBOR, again, for those unfamiliar with the term or not uh, recalling it, it's the overnight loans that banks make to each other. Yeah, and it's set in a mysterious room in London. Uh, I read an article about this in the London Review of Books back in uh, late 2007, uh, right as the evidence was beginning to emerge that the banks, who are now again being called banksters, which I think is appropriate, uh, have been manipulating uh, LIBOR for their own purposes off and on over the past several years. And one of the strange things about this LIBOR rate is it's determined apparently by two accountants that sit in a room and discuss... Um, the, the overnight rate um, over bagels and locks and coffee, I guess, or lattes or something. It's very mysterious how the whole thing operates. So there are going to be many, many investigations, apparently uh, starting this week, today, uh, into what's actually been going on in jolly old England. And it's uh, troubling to say the least. Well, it, it, it creates situations just sort of superficially to, you know, throw up an allegory here of uh, taking money out of your left pocket, putting it in your right pocket, and, you know, covering your loans. So it's just moving numbers around uh, electronically and uh, covering your speculation, which, of course, uh, it's, it's a bad habit. Yeah, and as Floyd Nor Norris, uh, who I always recommend, uh, noted in his column on uh, Saturday, he says LIBOR numbers are released each day by the British Banking Association, covering 10 currencies and 15 maturities. More than $10 trillion of loans to business consumers have interest rates based on LIBOR, with the borrowers paying more or less the, uh, depending on where LIBOR is at a particular day. During the uh, 2008 financial crisis, by the way, it's important to remember that LIBOR went from around 0.25%, which is fairly low, but this, of course, is the, the loan chart method mm -hmm. that the banks use to uh, loan each other money overnight. This went from 0.25% up to about 4%, which is an enormous increase. If you do your math, it's, uh, it's about 16, 16 uh, times there in a very, very short period of time. And this is why the liquidity crisis escalated, got worse, and TARP became a kind of a necessary evil. To yeah, deal. everything seized up. Everything seized up. And uh, I have always noted, by the way, that I think the hurricane that hit, uh, speaking of hurricanes and Fox News, yeah. that hit uh, Houston, Texas that uh, weekend right before the uh, oh, yeah. mergers were announced involving Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, etc. Uh, this is when Lehman went bankrupt because Bernanke 
could not find, well, more accurately, Paulson. Paulson was the one doing most of the talking. He couldn't find a buyer for Lehman. Mm -hmm. And that was essentially because J.P. Morgan had already bought uh, Bear Stearns. Bank of America was buying Merrill Lynch. Citigroup didn't have any money. And Wells Fargo was the only other option, and they didn't want to buy Lehman. So that's what happened. But, of course, the, that's when LIBOR uh, was uh, more focused on by the American media as a concept for international global finance. And it's troubling uh, regarding this. Uh, Joe Nocera notes, for instance, he's kind of puzzled why the American um, uh, media and uh, people, politicians, etc., haven't been more uh, 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 focused on this. He says the Brits are in an uproar over the rate-fixing scandal. Why aren't we, uh, noting, with so much depending on this one critical rate, it uh, shouldn't ever be a question about its reliability. Yet, beginning in 2005, according to the CFTC which is an American regulatory uh, arm of the, it's the Commodities Futures Trading uh, Commission, I think is the official uh, agency there. And the Justice Department, beginning in 2005, derivative traders at Barclays, the too-big-to-fail British bank, with active involvement of traders and other yet unnamed banks, persuaded their fellow bank employees to submit LIBOR numbers that were shaded in ways that would help ensure their trades were profitable. Even Robert Diamond, the former Barclays uh, chief executive who lost his job over the scandal this week, said that reading the trader's emails, quote, made him physically ill. In 2007, as the financial crisis was gathering steam, banks also began submitting false LIBOR rates for a different reason. LIBOR, you may recall, was a measure that gave the outside world a sense of how much trouble the banks were in. The higher the rate required to borrow, the worse shape they assumed were assumed to be in. So Barclays, in what appears to be the uh, in complicity with British bank regulators, started submitting rates that were lower than the reality. Um, its executive said the purpose was to keep Barclays from, quote, sticking its, its head above the parapet. Hmm. Sounds like uh, Mitt Romney. <laughs> his head was sticking above the parapet of the Swift boat recently. Whoop, <laughs> quick peek. <clears throat> Amazing stuff, uh, but not surprising and troubling, uh, to say the least. More corporate shenanigans are reported in today's New York Times. No surprise here. Um, 1.3 million requests have been made to cell phone carriers at the request of law enforcement officials around the country. Um, they want to see your emails. They want to know about your communications. And uh, they have a graph there showing a startling uh, increase in uh, the requests. It's interesting that the wireless, infra, uh, the wireless providers provide this information to Congress. Uh, the graph they have in today's New York Times is actually for the AT&T um, request made 
at the behest of law enforcement. Well, of course, all the existing legal language involving wiretaps and government surveillance of personal communications uh, is written with the concept of a hardline phone in mind. Uh, and that's a sort of a sacrosanct concept of privacy. You need a judge's approval to, uh, in, you know, do wiretapping. But uh, cell phones don't operate on that principle. Uh, they are not, in fact, telephones. They're radios. Yeah. Uh, and so the language does not apply. And interestingly, of course, in the late 90s, the conservatives on the Supreme Court upheld... Um wiretapped information that law enforcement got regarding drug deals mm -hmm. uh, that they ruled was uh, perfectly fine with them in terms of the Fourth Amendment. It's interesting that the liberals at the time dissented on that. So it's yet an example of this paradox regarding quote-unquote big government, what they're entitled to. By the way, my uh, oh, we had some power outages over the week. Oh, yeah. Few here in Ann Arbor were very lucky compared to some people around the country. Uh, some have been without electricity for eight days. Wow. Hey, the landline phone still works even when the power's out. <laughs> Not a bad thing, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes the old ways are, are really okay. So, uh, and that, by the way, is protected under the 34 federal wiretapping law. Yeah. Um, but, of course, that was the beginning of the assumption of more and more government power by uh, uh, J. Edgar Hoover and uh, others in the national security uh, state apparatus that uh, have uh, continued onward. Well, um, you know, Ronald Reagan, that was one of his big uh, catchphrases, you know, get government off your back, get big government off your back. Uh, but when he said that, he didn't really mean Joe, you know, John Q. Public. He meant corporations, because there has been an increasing amount of government uh, scrutiny uh, in people's personal lives, and of course, they're all concerned with who you sleep with and all that sort of thing. So uh, this is code language. It's it's not really meant to be uh, get government off the back of people. It's get government off the back of corporations. But again, not surprising. Give out a quick brain damage award to uh, Rick Perry. Uh, he, in a sort of splashy announcement today, announced that he's not going to participate in the uh, health exchange uh, program. Um, I don't know if he's read the legislation, but if he doesn't set up a system in Texas, this is part of the Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. the federal government sets one up for him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's joined... Uh, the usual suspects, uh, Governor Scott, who we noted last week, uh, absconded with over a billion dollars in Medicare fraud and somehow got elected governor of Florida. Bobby Jindal of Louisiana, Scott Walker of Wisconsin, and Nikki Haley of South Carolina. These They have all publicly announced that they are not going to participate in the health exchange uh, systems that are supposed to be set up rather quickly here. It's interesting to note, by the way, that Rick Snyder here in Michigan, even before the Supreme Court made a ruling, had urged uh, Michigan to get going on this. But Bill Schuette, uh, who participated in the challenge of the law with uh, mm -hmm. 26 other mainly GOP attorneys general, uh, has refused. So we'll see what happens uh, here in the state of Michigan regarding these health uh, exchange uh, Programs, these insurance programs that are supposedly supposed to follow the uh, um, 
in a sort of a phased uh, system here to, to extend uh, coverage uh, to people around America. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the people of Florida think about that. A lot of retirees down there and uh, a lot of low-income families as well. Uh, what they think about being shut out. <laughs> and Perry, of course, couched his language in the usual anti-government rhetoric. He mm -hmm. claimed it was a impingement on their sovereignty. Um, I thought we seized Texas from Mexico. We annexed Texas. <laughs> So what, what, what's he talking about? Well, the, the states, beware the states' rights argument. That, <laughs> that's been used to cover a whole host of uh, evils. Uh, slavery, uh, chiefly among them. <laughs> so, yeah, when uh, people start hiding behind that old uh, sausage, uh, you, you know there's, uh, they're out of ideas. And it's been interesting to see how the right-wing media has sort of turned on Chief Justice Roberts. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. there's been all sorts of, you know, is he, who is he really? You know, why did he do this? Uh, of course, it's uh, a mind-blowing concept to them that a jurist might actually take each case on its own merits and actually read and thoughtfully consider rather than just instinctively uh, voting along some party lines or an sure. ideological line. Uh, clearly... Uh, this falls within the realm of Congress's power to levy a tax. Yeah. And uh, what's remarkable to me is that uh, I think, just politically speaking, uh, coast to coast, the left needs to do a better job of showing or explaining the way that the right-wingers sell or hide their ideas uh, because there's been this from the Tea Party uh, folks or tea baggers, as we prefer to call them. Uh, they're just so against the concepts of taxation altogether that uh, they don't want any taxes. And, of course, this is hugely ignorant for many reasons, but chiefly among them. Uh, this is Congress's chief power. Yeah. This is the power of that branch of government, which represents the people. Uh, you've got the executive, you've got the judiciary, and if Congress gives up its power to uh, to levy taxes... What do they exist for? What purpose do they have? Well, and the interesting thing, too, of course, is that one of the chief proponents of the whole right and power of taxation was Alexander Hamilton. So Indeed. it shows, and of course, you know, he was one of the uh, co-authors of the Federalist Papers, mm -hmm. but certainly the most conservative of the three. John Indeed. Jay was also a Federalist, and uh, James Madison, who is sometimes called the father of our Constitution, uh, in a lot of consultation with Jefferson, who at the time was ambassador to uh, France. So Jefferson was a big advocate of the Bill of Rights as, as a component. Right. But it's ironic that you have a character like Ron Paul, who at times is very contradictory in his arguments. He talks about restoring the Constitution, in which he's, of course, referring to the uh, power to go to war, which I'm all in agreement with. But what he ignores in continuing to argue against government in a sort of broader sense is that the Constitution was brought in specifically because it was strong central government. Exactly. The Articles of Confederation had failed uh, the United States. <coughs> Badly. In fact, the Articles of Confederation are sort of analogous to some of the problems that are occurring in the European Economic Union, where you have these uh, disparate... Um, nation-states, mm -hmm. sovereign nation-states with different languages and traditions and cultures uh, in contradiction with one another over how to proceed forward. 
Um, it's very comparable because the Euro Maastricht Treaty, as we've noted in the recent weeks, has only been around for uh, less than two decades, and it's still, you know, got some growing pains, obviously. There's still a lot of problems with what they're trying to do. Um, so this is very uh, paradoxical that, on the one hand, you have Ron Paul arguing for restoring the Constitution, and on the other hand, sort of promoting this idea that we need less government at the same time. Right. I mean, nobody's excited about paying taxes, and most Americans think that their taxes would be better spent in other areas. I've always said that uh, we should allow the citizens to decide themselves where they'd like their tax dollars to be directed or spent. And uh, that would be very revealing to see what our country's agenda really is. Uh, we waste a lot in military spending and so forth. And so, yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, concern about how taxes are spent. Which, ironically, you know, over the last several months, the Republicans in the House of Representatives, um, the uh, John Boehner uh, branch of the Congress, has been actually trying to restore cuts to the Pentagon. Exactly. $8 billion that they want back in the budget that the Pentagon doesn't even want. This is remarkable hypocrisy. It's duplicity. It's dishonesty. And it needs to be exposed for what it is. Yeah. Total hypocrisy. Yeah. Well, this is the same sort of idea that, you know, basically pretending to be, you know, oh, we're freedom fighters. We're like the founding fathers. We want our freedom. We want the Constitution. And really, it's a series of sustained attacks on the Constitution. This is the same uh, ideology that gave us term limits, which limits not just the term of uh, those elected to office, but it limits your freedom as a voter to vote for, oh, yeah, I like this guy. He does good work. I want him to continue to represent me. Uh, you know, that's throwing away uh, Democratic choices. To, term limits in Michigan have been disastrous. Well, they've been disastrous because, as Jack Lessonberry has pointed out in both his columns in the Metro Times and a couple of uh, appearances that I've seen him uh, give publicly uh, recently, he talks about the whole problem with the term limit concept, that basically if you're only in the House of Representatives for six years, you kind of spend the first year getting your feet wet and figuring out how things work. Then you're running for re-election, and then by the time you're, you're done with your second term, you're already looking for a new job. Right. So, sort of like Thaddeus McCotter. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the story continues. Yeah. He resigned over the weekend. Indeed. <laughs> Finally. Well, I mean, he didn't need to, but... He's now looking for employment, he says. Um, Good luck. And, of course, he's uh, publicly uh, agreed to cooperate with the strange fact that only 13% of his signatures seem to have any validity uh, when he was uh, filing for re-election. So he missed the ball there somewhere. But if you have a, a the special interests as a result, the lobbyists control the legislature even more. Uh, because if you're only going to be in the House of Representatives for three terms and you're only allowed to be in the Senate for two terms, um, yes, some people switch from the, the State House in, in Lansing to the State Senate. Um, you don't have the uh, institutional um, knowledge to deal with mm -hmm. these special interests, and, and they're buying more and more influence all over the place. You know, another troubling story over the weekend about uh, good old Carl Rove. Uh, he is the um, brain trust behind the Crossroads 
grassroots policy strategies advertising blitz against, and he's targeted Sherrod Brown of Ohio, John Tester of Montana, and the American uh, Committee for Prosperity is running uh, lobbying campaign ads. They're basically going to spend $25 million in these Senate races against Tim Kaine of Virginia and Bob Carey of Nebraska, who uh, used to be in the Senate. Uh, He's uh, trying to get back in from Nebraska after Ben, I don't wear a toupee, Nelson, uh, resigned. Well, he hasn't resigned, but he announced that he's not running for re-election. So once again, troubling, more troubling examples of of, uh, how these... Swing states are going to be targeted with massive quantities of outside money. Uh, the reason that I mention this article is that uh, some interest groups in Washington, i.e., today, filed a formal complaint with the Federal Election Commission against three of the Republicans' biggest campaign groups, accusing them of willful violations of federal election law and asking that their electioneering be stopped. And this, of course, is the abuse of tax-exempt status. Uh, That's a big problem in churches where uh, the right wing has done a lot of political campaigning, exploiting the tax-exempt status of churches uh, as political operatives. And the groups targeted are the uh, Senatorial uh, Campaign Committee Against Crossroads, Grassroots Policy Strategies and Americans for Prosperity, and the 60-plus association. Um, So this is basically a challenge of this 501, oh, it's so technical, I guess I'll have to read it, the 501c4, uh, tax-exempt status of the tax code. And uh, they have already spent, incidentally, $25 million in uh, anti-Obama attacks, and that will continue. Remember, of course, that the most troubling thing about Karl Rove's organization is they allegedly uh, may have, and this is Koch money, uh, Koch brothers money here. Oh, wait, that was a slip of the tongue. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Anyway, that money is going to be spent in the last six weeks targeting individual congressional districts. It's going to be a blitz. And there's some very substantive evidence that there were several... Uh, congressional races that turned in the last second uh, in the 2010 election because of outside money, just overwhelming a congressional district where uh, Karl Rove can come in with a million and a half dollars at the last second and buy up uh, expensive media ads in certain markets. So it's, uh, it's... very troubling, and well, even if they buy up the uh, time for other things, you can just be frozen out from access uh, to that time. Sure, there's a lot of ways they can do it. And of course, as we jokingly talked about Mitt Romney on the Swift boat, we will recall that in 2004 they spent 30 million dollars in blatantly false uh, anti-carry ads that were fraud, plain and simple. Swift boat veterans for truth. Sounds like a Nixon organization to me. (laughs) Well, it makes you wonder to what extent, uh, uh, I mean, it's not slander, but is it libel? (laughs) You know, there has got to be some definition of veracity and falsehood. uh, And to perpetuate falsehoods intentionally, 
you know, of course, advertising always likes to gild the lily or to polish the turd, right? Uh, whichever direction you need to go. Uh, but uh, when it's deliberate falsehoods being packaged as truth, there are laws about that in advertising. Well, and one of the why other aren't things, those laws applied yeah. to political ads? And and the FEC, by the way.